It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. If you will today, turn with me to your Bibles, in your Bibles, to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at a little bit different spin on Christmas and what Christmas really is. I've entitled this sermon, The Cosmic Conflict That Is Christmas. Sounds catchy, don't it? Hopefully, hopefully we can... Learn some things uh, together today. Just a few weeks ago, we had the distinct honor of keeping Lily for about half a day. I happened to be off, and we just had a good time. It was fun. It's fun to have a baby around when you get older, especially when your kids are just about grown. And I can see now what the what the joy and the honor and the allure of grandkids are. So I hope to be in that boat myself when the time is right later on we got to keep Lily and and it's just neat to get to see her every Sunday or hear the stories from Katie that basically has moved in with the Lances at this point and uh, just to see her grow and see how a baby develops and see God's hand of creation and and power on them and and just the way that they they learn they develop and they bring uh, joy to our lives but it was about the time I think it was the day after Thanksgiving or close to it that uh, we were able to keep her, and we had, that's always the day that Amy and Nathan and Katie, and sometimes myself, if I'm off, I just try to mediate conflict uh, when we put out the, the Christmas stuff, and it's always a lot of fun. So I think it was that afternoon we got to keep Lily, and uh, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But the funniest thing was, was somehow Lily got to the, I guess Katie was showing it to her, the nativity set nativity scene and then I hear Katie laughing saying Lily you can't eat the baby you can't eat the baby Jesus she should got a hold of the baby and had got it into her mouth and we we didn't care but we just didn't want her to swallow anything so we had a big laugh about that but you know that's actually biblical did you know something about that is biblical look with me in Revelation 12 today we're only at the cos- cosmic conflict that is Christmas because Christmas is a time of peace hopefully Christmas is a time of of, uh, you know, just joy. Christmas is a time of giving. It's so so taken out of context today uh, by corporations and by the powers that be, but yet Christmas is the, the, the nativity, celebrating the entrance of God onto the stage of earth for the redemption of man. And it's a peaceful thing, but what went on in the spiritual world, what went on in the cosmos was totally different. And it still rages, and it still goes on until the fullness of time. So if you're going to have a true nativity set, according to John the Revelator here, in Revelation uh, chapter 12, you need to get a red dragon, and you need to put that red dragon next to the manger ready to devour Jesus. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, it's biblical. We're going to look at this scripture today, and we're going to see what Christmas is in the spiritual realm and the cosmos, if you will. Now, we live in a physical world. You know, we, we are, we, we're aware. We know what's going on. We, we, our lives are ordered by time. Our lives are ordered by, you know, who we are biologically. But we're here for a very, very, very short time in the whole scheme of things. We're here for a very, very short time. And to, for your heart to stop, or, you know, for something to happen and you to just automatically die physically, you are automatically existing in the spiritual. It's that quickly. The spiritual is really 
where our main existence will be. Now we're here, and thanks be to God through Jesus, we have a choice based on what God has done through Jesus that dictates the outcome of where we end up or where we exist spiritually. And I talked about this Wednesday night along with Robbie in our Wednesday night youth group that uh, God has thrown us a life preserver, if you will. We're sinking. We're dying. We are without hope and lost and up to our necks just about to perish. And through Jesus, he throws us a life preserver. He makes it possible by faith for us to exist in a spiritual realm that is bliss, paradise, perfect forever. If we choose not to exist there, then we will exist in the polar opposite, death, darkness, uh, terrible conflict, hell, and everything that it is that even we can't comprehend. So God, what God did in the cosmos to bring Christ along and how he's defeated Satan is really what Christmas is. Christmas is about conflict. Christmas is about the, the winning of a conflict. And, and that's why we're able to celebrate in peace for the most part today, Christmas is because of Christ and no other reason. Because Christ has ordered this for us based on our nation for the most part, at least in days past, being a Christian nation. So we experience the blessings of what God did through Christ in the cosmos by his existence, death, and resurrection on earth. You see, Christmas is not just a a, a nativity scene that we can pick up and, and look at and enjoy. Christmas is not just a time of gift giving. It's not a day to set aside, just a day to set aside to celebrate. It's a time to look at the big picture. And that's hopefully what we're going to do today. So in Revelation chapter 12, we have a heading, at least I have a heading in this Bible. It says the seven personages, the woman, it says Israel, the woman clothed with the sun, and the man-child. Now, we'll look at some things here that we'll take the star of Bethlehem and we'll develop that a little bit to kind of more or less understand what the wise men who had seen in Israel, had seen uh, the, 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 the star, they had been trained by Daniel in Babylon. They came from the east. So it says, John saw this. Now, this was something John saw. He said, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. This is the stars. This is the cosmos. Uh, Robbie's talking about in Sunday school about him and Eli looking through a telescope and, and being able to see Jupiter and, and uh, you know, coordinating the phone to where you could see what was what and where it was. Well, Daniel and his school of prophets, even after the time of Daniel, were doing this. They studied the stars. Now, this was not astrology. It was astronomy. There's a huge difference there. I had a lady ask me a couple of weeks ago what my sign was. Am I a Sagittarius or a, or a uh, what am I, or a, an Aquamarius or whatever you call it? I don't understand all that. And I said, I'm a child of God, and I'm destined as he is all fit by his grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. And she said, well, I guess you're not a Capricorn. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I was raised on, uh, never mind, I'm not going to take that any further. So you have astrology and you have astronomy. Daniel and his school of prophets, although they did not have telescopes, they might have had some apparatuses they could view and look, studied the stars. And at the time of 
the leading up to Jesus' birth, they could tell in the constellations that something was happening. You see, they had not lost hope in the Messiah. They knew the old prophecies. They knew that God would speak and that God's purpose would come to pass. So they began to look and they began to see constellations moving in different ways, in ways maybe that have never moved before. Now, you've got to think about the constellations. I don't know a lot about them. I know this has been taught on before. And there's a, you could take this sermon a different, totally different way. But you have one that's called Virgo, the Virgin, right? And it's a certain certain uh, you know, grouping of stars. I can go out tonight if it's clear, and I can find the Big Dipper. Because the Big Dipper, if it has anything to do with getting food from a pot to a plate, I can figure that one out, okay? Uh, maybe the North Star. And then there's the Little Dipper. But, but past that, I'm really not all that good. Then there's the Bear, Ursus Major and Ursus, Ursus Minor. I think uh, uh, some of those. But there's one called the Virgin. And then there's one called Libra, which is the Lion, I believe it is. Well, Daniel and them knew these constellations. It went even back further than they did. They began to see them align in the heavens that told a story. And also there was a star that was brighter than all the rest of them, and I don't have all this information or understand it all, that was what we would be calling the star of Bethlehem. And it moved. So he said, it appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. This is the virgin, symbolized in the heavens by Virgo, okay? And for us as Mary, who would give birth as a virgin to the Christ child, a woman was clothed with the sun. So they saw Virgo, the constellation, the sun set a certain way. They could tell all that, where it would rise. Matter of fact, men who are much smarter than I have have gone back and can tell where the constellations were during the time of Christ coming and being born. And they said, this is miraculous what happened. John saw this. And it says, and under her feet, they would look at the bottom of the constellation Virgo, under her feet and upon her head, I'm sorry, the moon was under her feet. So you had the sun clothed in the sun. I guess it was shining down on that constellation was the lineup. You had the moon under her feet. Was literally where these heavenly bodies, these celestial bodies were at the time of the birth of Jesus. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. So there were 12 other stars. I don't know if it was a constellation or just 12 different stars that crowned her. So what is that telling us? That something, what did that tell Daniel and them and those men, those prophets that would travel west from the east to see the new king? That something was happening in Israel. Now we don't so much need stars and the moon to tell us what's happening in Israel today. Although, you remember all those blood moons that we had the past five, six, eight years that bode, that spoke uh, forebodingly against the nation of Israel? Well, guess what? They're surrounded. They're fighting for their lives right now. There's more and more going to enter this war. I read articles that say that it looks like Biden's going to abandon them. I figured that was going to happen. So we need to pray for them. He's abandoned everything else that's good, right, and holy. Amen? So... Uh, he, they saw this constellation and they said, Wah oh, God's, wah oh, uh oh, God is telling us something. God is telling us something. And it's to the west for them. We call it the Middle East because it's 
east of us, but to them it was to the west. They began to see something happening in these constellations. They began to see a star brighter that began to, listen to this now, think about the birth of Jesus, that began to move out of the virgin. What does that tell you? Beautiful star of Bethlehem, Jesus is about to be born. Okay, so we move on here, and it says, And she will, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. So the star, the bright star, the beautiful star, began to move out of the constellation Virgo as a child is born of his mother. They saw this, and this star was the brightest star that they could see in the sky at that time, and they said, this is it. God has shown us in the stars. You know the, 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 the whole old saying, if the stars are lined, well, the stars are lined for you to be saved. Amen? The stars are lined. God used the stars to let us know, and eventually us, our ancestors, to let us know that God, let me tell you something. Let me, let me rephrase that. God has moved heaven and earth for you. Literally. He's moved the stars into place. And they say this really hasn't ever happened in the same way before or since. They can figure all this out. Astronomers, not astrologers. Don't get into that horoscope stuff. That's a different sermon. That's a different sermon. The star moved out. The baby was born. But yet, as we have that beautiful picture, we, that's in the cosmos, that's in the spiritual. Okay, but then we move down to that little, more than what we can relate to, that little humble town called Bethlehem, which was prophesied by Micah, Micah 5.2, that this is where the baby would be born. Not just the baby, the Savior of the world, okay? You know, a very humble entrance in a feeding trough, a stinky stable and barn with animal feces everywhere, and they couldn't find a room to stay in. Now, the rooms they would have been able to get if they could have were not the Hilton. They were very humble themselves. This was first century Judea. But yet, in all this humility came a baby. And we have the picture of the peaceful, wonderful nativity scene, as we should. But yet, in the heavenlies, there's a different nativity scene. John saw another wonder in heaven, and he saw a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. This is talking about the angels of heaven. The angels who would become demons because they joined forces with Satan before Christ came, obviously even before Adam and Eve, and began a war on God, let me tell you something today. That is, it is what is going on in Gaza and Israel today as we as we march toward Christmas. It's just a physical manifestation of a cosmological event or a heavenly event. Satan is fighting God, and it's being made manifest in a little enclave that's twenty-five miles long against a little bit bigger enclave or a state or a nation called Israel. It's Satan fighting God. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And, and people, there's a lot of other details to it. It is Satan, the red dragon, still trying to devour Jesus and anybody who is affiliated with him, who has been redeemed by him, or who has anything to do with him. That's exactly what it is. 
That's simple. You see, we talked about this in Sunday school. You come to church, we talked about it being a day of rest, and I said, well, I think, and Robbie had some great insight on it, I think that, well, sometimes we misconstrue what rest on the Sabbath really means, okay, or on the Lord's Day. It's not laying around on Sunday watching YouTube videos all day. It's a mental rest when you come to church or you watch a sermon online or whatever it is, but there is no substitute for the gathering of ourselves together. There never has been and there never will be. When we get together, I get realigned for the week ahead of me. I get psychologically primed based on God's word, the prayers of the saints, the edification of God's people. I get psychologically gassed back up and reprimed, even physically, emotionally, spiritually, you name it, psychologically ready for another battlefield week. And I can rest on that. There's nothing like psychological rest. So when I read a headline tomorrow of something that's happened in the Middle East or something that's happened in our country that's bad or good, I can calibrate what's going on there based on what God has revealed to me. That's re I don't have to go, what's happening, you know. Sometimes I guess I do that. But I can recalibrate and go, that was prophesied. God is in control. He's moving. God's not dead. He's right where he said he would be during these days. And that makes me, that, that, that makes me mentally I'm a lot more prepared to face the battles that I face in my own life. It makes me mentally prepared to accept my weaknesses and cast them upon Jesus Christ. And God will help me in those weaknesses. That's what rest is. You get that? We, 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 we uh, translate that based on a Western recreational mindset, if that makes any sense sometimes. When I leave church, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keyed up. Yeah, I've preached. But I've been with God's people. I've been in a sacred place. And I remember that because of Christ's blood, I can enter a much more sacred place because otherwise I would not be able to enter his presence in heaven. Whether it be at this altar, one day it'll be in heaven. So John saw this great red dragon swept. There was a war in heaven. His tail swept out the third part of the stars. That's a third of the angels who became demons in our terminology and cast them out to earth. Satan was cast out of heaven with a third of the, with the, the, the angels which became demons. So here we are on the earth, and this is why we're seeing all this horrible, these horrible things we see. So much conflict, so much death, so much suffering, so much evil. This was why. And the dragon stood before the woman. He had his, and he still today is fighting against the name, the existence, the reality of eternal Christ. He saw that baby figuratively and physically and spiritually, and his goal was to devour. Not just to stand there in some terrible picture and actually devour the baby, but he would try to devour Christ and the people that Christ came among, the Jews, he would try to devour them. And he started off trying to do it through Herod. When they, he says, I'll kill all the babies. We'll get rid of this so-called king. Herod had no idea what kind of king 
This was no ordinary king. Herod was worried about a king that would take him out of the throne of Judea. This was a king right here that would dethrone Satan and give us heaven. That's a king. But Herod said, and Satan said, okay, Herod, this, he's going to get you. You better go get him first. See, that's how Satan works. So he used Herod. Countless other antichrists with a little A that I can't mention. He used Hitler. He's using Hamas today. He's using the Houthis. Satan is. I hate to say this, but he's using the West, Western nations more and more. You know, I thought about that little, I don't know if you saw, I mentioned it last week, that little baby that was kidnapped into Gaza with her mama and I think her sister that was like six or eight. They're afraid they may not have made it. Cutest little baby, little red-headed baby. That's Satan. That's the true believers of Islam because they are led of Satan, the red dragon. He seeks to sweep away Israel. Well, that's what all that's about today. Because why? Because Jesus is coming back to Israel. Jesus is coming back to Israel, and he's going to go up after the temple's defiled, and although he's going to go up to the third temple, he's going to go up there, and he's going to say, I'm back, and it's mine. And there are going to be a lot of Jewish people come to know Jesus through terrible suffering. You see, that's what we're seeing here. That's what God is telling us. It says in verse 5, she brought forth a man-child, that's Jesus, of course, who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. You see, in the middle of that language there is he went up to the cross. He went and earned Christmas. Amen? He bought the ultimate gift for us. So that we could reach out and accept it. I told him, kids, Wednesday night, along with Robbie, you got to reach out for that life preserver in faith. He just ain't going to throw it over around your neck. He'll get it pretty close to you, but you gotta, you got to have some faith and reach out and accept Jesus. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had, the woman remembers Israel, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. The Jewish people will survive. They'll be diminished, but the Jewish people will survive. They will be taken care of of God until the prophets preach again to them, preach Christ to them, Moses and Elijah most likely. And in verse 7 it says, There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. This was a war going on in heaven. And the dragon fought with the angels, but he lost. Verse 8, Neither was their place found anymore. In heaven. And the great dragon, Satan himself, was cast out at that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Boy, is that an understatement? He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I love the way this, this begins to end here. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Let me tell you what that means. Jesus has come, and, when, and what that means is, if you've trusted that Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross was for you a sinner, then when Satan accuses you and brings charges against you in the spiritual realm, they are shot down. 
because of the blood of the slain Messiah. God looks at you and all those accusations coming from the side and from the back and from the front from Satan. He looks at you and he sees, by the blood of Christ, he looks at you and he sees perfection. You believe somebody like me or you could be considered perfect? Well, because of the cosmic conflict of Christmas and the winning of Christ in the, the heavenly battles and the physical battles, we are considered perfect. But only by the application of the shed blood of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, was deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser, and, uh, accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they here's the key. Here's the key to life today. Here's the key to life next year if we live that long and the Christ don't come. Here's the key not only for physical life, but most importantly, spiritual life, they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. That's where it's at. No other place. No other place. By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Because you've got a testimony of what the blood of the Lamb has done for you, how it's changed you, how it's delivered you, how it's saved your physical life, how it's saved your spiritual life. So many other ways, you see, you have a testimony. And you should sh share that testimony as the Lord leads whenever you can. And it says, to finish that verse, they love not their lives unto the death. It means for Christ they would go all the way, even to death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. This is Christmas. This is why we have Christmas. This is what makes it so wonderful. For a believer, woe to the inhabitants of earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. Satan don't know how long, but he knows it's short, and that's why he's instigated this war in the Middle East. That's why he's instigated this war in Russia or Ukraine. That's why he has so diminished the foundations of a once godly nation, America. He knows his time is short. That's why it feels like we are, we are, we are uh, afflicted on every side, top to bottom, left to right, everywhere. It just seems like there's so much against us. But yet, they overcome. Going back, they overcame him and will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. The greatest possession available in the universe it's the blood of the Lamb. God made that available to you by moving both heaven and earth and stars and sun and moon to let us know there's a Savior. He's come. He's done the work. His blood has been shed. There's still a great supply of it for us to tap into. Have you tapped into what Christmas really is? The acceptance of the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to end there. You can go. There's another... About four or five verses here talks about Israel and Satan in the tribulation. That's my favorite. I love, don't get me wrong, I love Luke chapter 1. I love 
what went on there in the Roman times with Jesus being born and coming just as the prophet said he did, but I think this is my favorite because it gives me insight into what God has done for me. That he would move constellations into place so that the world might know and his people who were exiled might know that he has not forgotten them. You're here today and you may be older and you may not be able to do all you want to do. You may be younger and trying to find your place in this world. I want to tell you today, God has not forgotten you. A God that can move the constellations, the stars, bring about a Savior in the way that he did to save those who would believe, he has not forgotten you. He is not finished with you. He loves you. And you're here for such a time as this. That's Christmas. That that baby was not devoured. That baby today sits on the right hand of his father, having accomplished something that we can't even understand. But he sits on the right hand, and his job is to mediate between a lost sinner, a vile sinner, a murderer, whatever, a thief or whatever, that comes in faith and wants to be made right with God. The blood that Jesus shed covers those sins, makes that spiritual convict, if you will, spiritual hostage, sets them free and makes them a child of the Most High God. I, I don't even have the language. I don't think anybody does has the language it would take to paint a picture of the love and the magnitude of grace and the power of God. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the new...